Thanks, Nick. Hello, everyone. How you doing? That's good. That was a, a vivid response. Shouldn't ask questions. Hey, it's been a good start to the year, I reckon. I've enjoyed it. Um, my name's Jono. If I've not met you, that's who I am. And I'd love to meet you after. So come and say good day and enjoy a Jeff burger with me, I think, not a Tim burger. Tim's burgers just sounds like the same thing with egg and pineapple and beetroot on it, I reckon. Sorry, Tim. Anyway, shouldn't have picked sides. Hey, um, uh, we're going to, for the next four weeks, be looking at the person, Jesus, and considering his impact on the world uh, in a bunch of different ways, including this question of war and peace tonight. Uh, Four different questions, uh, but really important. It's going to help us understand our world better, uh, but particularly, I hope, it's going to help us understand the person, Jesus, better. And tonight's question is a really excellent one. Has Jesus caused war or peace? It's a really important question. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, But a little bit of news just for our church family here. Uh, Our senior pastor, Andrew Hurd, and his wife, Kathy, have both been quite sick this week. Uh, and they've been really quite unwell, and so they ended up going to hospital for a little while, they're now back home, recovering at home, but Andrew particularly has been really unwell, he had a pretty bad pneumonia, which took him to hospital this week. Uh, So they're now recovering at home, but it'll be worthwhile to pray for them, so I'm going to do that now and lead us in prayer for those guys, uh, and also pray for our time as we look at this question. So let's pray together, let's pray. Oh, Father God, uh, we, th- we thank you so much uh, for Andrew and for Kathy, and we pray, please, that you would continue to bring healing to them. Thanks uh, for our wonderful healthcare system here in Australia, for doctors, uh, for the much that we have here, uh, and um, I pray, please, that you would um, bring healing uh, to Andrew uh, particularly, help him to recover, get back on his feet, uh, look after them this week and uh, be with them and strengthen them, we pray. And we pray now, particularly, Lord, that you would be with us as we ask big questions here of who the person Jesus is and what he's done in our world. Uh, Please, Lord, we pray that uh, you would bring truth. Uh, We pray that we would know the truth about Jesus and, and, and see it with clarity. And I pray that you would do a mighty thing among us tonight as we uh, wrestle with uh, the things of the Bible and Jesus. Amen. Has Jesus caused peace or war? There's that question. And it's a really important one. It's a worthwhile question to get your head around because uh, if Jesus, if Christians are meant to be onto something good, then you'd hope the result would be peace and not war, wouldn't you? It's really important though because, uh, as we'll see in a moment, there's a checkered history that Christians need to contend with when it comes to wars as well. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Now, it's worth noting as we dive into this talk, particularly tonight, uh, usually what we do here at at EV Night at at church is we grab a part of the Bible, so in a few weeks' time we'll grab uh, the Gospel of John and we'll work our way through that book of the Bible and and so on. And my main job as a preacher usually is to not just say a bunch of things that are rattling around in my head, but to actually get up and explain a passage of the Bible to us. Um, Now, because of the nature of our question tonight it's necessarily going to be a little bit different to that. Uh, We're still going to look at the Bible and look at Jesus and what He says about war and peace. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to have to spend some time just talking about some history stuff for a while so we can understand Jesus and His contribution to war or or peace. Uh, So that's where we're headed. We're going to whiz through some important history context stuff first and then we're going to look at the Bible together as we usually do. 
Now, I, I should mention as well, in fact, that um, particularly the first half of what we're going to look at as we talk about some history stuff, I, lo- I owe a lot to this little book here called Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. It's an excellent book. It answers 12 tough questions about Christianity, including the, qu- the question, does religion cause violence? Really helpful chapter that I was able to read. So, Annika, is Anarchy here somewhere? Oh, she's not. Anyway, she's... Oh, huh? Yeah, there you are. Thanks for lending me your book. I'll give it back to you tonight, and if anyone wants to borrow it, you know who to ask. Go ask Annika up the back there. Uh, but that was really helpful. Anyway, let's jump into it. After World War I, uh, it was no surprise that our world was very tired of war. Uh, and in that context, uh, philosopher, a British philosopher called Bertrand Russell said this. You can see it up on the screen as well. He says, religion prevents us from removing the fundamental causes of war. Religion prevents us from teaching the ethic of scientific cooperation in the place of the old fierce doctrines of sin and punishment. It's possible that mankind is on the threshold of a golden age, an age where he hopes we can get rid of wars, Uh, but if so, it is first necessary to slay the dragon that guards the door. And that dragon, he says, is religion. Now, obviously, when it comes to stopping future wars... That particular statement didn't age so well because World War II was right around the corner and that century went on to be the bloodiest century in the history of the human race. But did you catch the point of what he's saying there? He says, if we can just slay the dragon of religion, get rid of it, then we're going to be able to get rid of the cause of war. Why? Because religion is what causes war. It's the fundamental problem that leads to all these wars. Now, what do you make of that claim Because really, it's at the heart of our question tonight, isn't it? If Christianity is the biggest religion in our world, as it is at the moment, then there's no better place place to start than with Christianity right at the top. Has Jesus, has Christianity, which He started, caused war or peace? Now, this question really does matter. It's really important because if you're here tonight, new to this stuff, checking out the person Jesus... Well, then you probably don't want to join a religion that's part of the problem, do you? If Jesus is one of the major causes of war in our world, then you'd want to know that, wouldn't you, if that were the case? But secondly, if Jesus has in fact brought peace, well, then you'd want to be part of the thing that actually is making a difference in our world, doing something good in our world. So, what can we say about that question tonight? What has Jesus brought? Well, here's the first quite sad thing for us to own, really, Christians have been at the centre of some terrible wars. That's a sad fact. And what comes to mind when you think of Christianity and war? I'll I'll ask you, what what comes to mind? Crusades, there it is, straight away, lightning quick, the Crusades. It's the most obvious example of Christianity being mixed up in war. Uh, My basketball stadium down the road, Terrigal, had a branding issue a few years ago uh, because their rep team's called the Crusaders and it's a bit un-PC to have a rep team called the Crusaders Um, and so there's some call to change their name. It's got a bad vibe. Now this war, the series of wars, happened almost a thousand years ago and Uh, If you're a Christian, we need to own the Crusades were bad. It was really bad. Uh, In recent years, the Crusades have kind of been cast as this idea of violent Christians smashing peace-loving Muslims in a war. Now, there is truth to the claim that Christians did some terrible violence in, in in those wars, but it's an overreach to say that this was done against peace-loving Muslims who had no interest in war. 
the reality is, a historian, uh, Robert Lewis Wilkins, said the Crusades were a Christian counter-offensive against the occupation of lands that had been taken with the arrival of Islam. So when Islam came on the scene, the prophet Muhammad, he led an army uh, and, and you saw uh, Islam move into places like Palestine, and Egypt, uh, Palestine, Egypt, Turkey and Syrian places like that, into places that had been majority Christian places and they moved in, in, in violently invaded those places. And so the, the Crusades were a, a response to an invasion in those places but it was, it was a violent response. And so, more accurately, you could say the Crusades was uh, violent Christian nations attacking violent Muslim nations. That's the reality of what happened in the Crusades. It was a terrible war with religion at the centre of it, and specifically, Christianity at the centre of it, things done in the name of Jesus. Uh, And worse, some terrible things were done in this war, particularly by Christians. Uh, The sacking of Jerusalem is a famous part of this war, where the invading uh, Christian Western army came and they sacked the city of Jerusalem and killed tens of thousands of Muslim people, including women and children. It's a horrible mess of a thing that happened. It was evil, and we need to own that was really bad. So, scattered throughout history, there's some obvious examples of wars where... People claiming to be Christians are at the centre of them. Uh, other more recent examples are like the Civil War in uh, Northern Ireland where Catholics and Protestants fought a bloody civil war for a bunch of years. So here's simple facts. Step one, Christianity, people doing things in the name of Jesus at least, has been at the centre of some terrible wars. That's true. Now let's broaden our question a little bit out from there for a second. Is this a Christian problem then or is this a just a religious problem, actually. Well, here's the second thing to see. Uh, Other religions are unfortunately just as bad. Now, we just talked about the Crusades, and so I don't think I need to say too much more about the the Islamic religion, which has been involved in a high percentage of the wars around religion, uh, and you can see that in lots of ways today as it flows out in our modern wars. Uh, But what about other religions? Besides Christianity, Islam, leave them for a second. What about um, the the most peace-loving religion you could imagine, like Buddhism, which taught peace, as as Jesus did in fact? Uh, Well, the people who follow Buddhism have been at the centre of some terrible violence as well. Myanmar has a history of terrible atrocities committed uh, by its Buddhist majority against a Muslim minority in that country. The same is true of the Sri Lankan civil war. Uh, Thailand, more recently, has had a bunch of minor conflicts that have happened under its Buddhist leadership, under that government. Uh, You could also mention World War II um, Japan, which had a long history of Buddhist roots before a state religion called the Shinto religion came and took over. Uh, But some terrible stuff happened uh, soon after those Buddhist roots. The bottom line is Christianity, Islam, even Buddhism has a terrible history of, of war. And so it isn't just a Jesus thing. <laughs> it's not even just a religious people thing. Uh, the final thing we need to see before we actually get to the Bible tonight is this. Well, what about non-religious people then? How have they gone when it comes to war? Do they do any better than all these wars that have happened over religion? And friends, the answer is a resounding no by a long way. Non-religious people have a just as bad track record, and that's an understatement in some ways. Uh, communism, 
Marxism has been a massive political force in our world. Sorry if you just feel like you're in history right now, but we'll get to the Bible in a second. But Karl Marx was a man who was not a fan of religion. He called religion the opium of the people. He was a hardline atheist. And his hope, the hope was that his ideology would be a thing that would bring in a new era of peace and human flourishing. And we can get rid of all this terrible stuff. But under the atheistic communist regimes that have existed in our world, terrible things have happened. Terrible violence has happened. The numbers are even hard to know for sure because of the scale of it, but possibly somewhere as close to 60 million people were killed in the Soviet Union uh, in, in terrible ways. 35 million people in communist China. No one even knows the numbers by any scale in North Korea, but whatever it is, it's bad. Right now, Russia is currently still continuing to invade Ukraine, although we pray that they might come to a peace agreement soon. An anti-religious atheistic worldview is at the heart of so much senseless violence and a huge number of our world conflicts. The fact is there's there's so many reasons that people might go to war and most of those reasons have nothing to do with Jesus or any other religion for that matter. There's so many other reasons, uh, imperialism, uh, political ideology like I just mentioned, Marxism, greed, on occasion even defence and Justice can be the cause of some right wars as well. Uh, Even when religious people are involved in a war uh, that you might associate with that religion, it's never that simple. There's almost so many reasons tied up in what's going on. It's multifaceted. There's a bunch of reasons why. But here's one thing that's really clear. To say that Jesus or even Christianity has been the major cause of wars in our world, it's it's just simply not true. It's just not the facts of history. You just Google it yourself if you want, just literally Google what percentage of wars have been caused by religion and you'll see it's, it's 6-7% of, of wars that are major conflicts in our world um, has been categorised as being primarily about religion and of that 7%, 4% of them have been particularly started by uh, Islam, basically. Uh, basically, humans can start a war over anything that we feel really passionate about. Um, anything at all, including religion, but so many other things. And so, Jesus isn't the problem, Christianity isn't the problem, other religions aren't the problem either, and so what is the problem? Why is it you've got Christians and other religious people and non-religious people as well, all causing wars in our world? Well, friends, the real problem is people. It's us. It's something in us. That's the problem. And the Bible calls this thing sin. That's the Bible's word for it. And so here we come to the Bible. We'll look at this together. Uh, But here's its diagnosis of what's going on. And it's a problem in our hearts. Sin is the failure to, according to the Bible, it's the failure to relate rightly to one another in things like war and unjust violence. Uh, but, But it's also a failure to particularly relate rightly to God to know who He is and, and follow Him. And the Bible is clear, friends, that this is a everyone sort of thing. Sin isn't the naughty thing that some people over there do while the good people stay out of it. The Bible's actually clear that, found, foundationally, if you want to call yourself a Christian, you need to own the fact that this is you. <laughs> You're a sinner, is the first step. You can see it up on the screen here, 1 John chapter 1 says that if you, Christian, claim to be without sin, will we deceive ourselves... And the truth is not in us. 
That is, all of us, says the Bible, have this sin problem. Everyone is a sin, sinner. It's a universal thing that, that flows actually from a heart issue, something going on wrong inside of us. It's a problem of the human heart. And this is where Jesus' words particularly are helpful. You can see Jesus' diagnosis, his words up on the screen here, Mark chapter 7. The context here is that Jesus is teaching on what makes a person sinful. Where does bad stuff come from? And he's basically saying it's not about what you eat or religious stuff on the external. Instead, he says, verse 18, are you so dull? (laughs) Don't you see that Nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. Everyone poops, says Jesus. But in saying this, Jesus declared all food clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. So what's the problem? What's the cause? Where does sin come from? Look at the next verse, 21 there. He says, for it is from within, out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, violence we've been talking about, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person, make a person a sinner. This is the problem of the human heart. Inside, we're, we're bent we're, we're, we're out of line, we shouldn't, we, things aren't what they should be. Have you ever driven a car that's steering is out of alignment? I don't know if you had this thing where you're driving along and you're like, everything seems good, I don't know why I do this, but I let go of the wheel, both hands, and then the car's like, starts to veer and you're like, is this road flat? Maybe I need a flatter road and you try it again and the car veers again and again, no matter what you do. Jesus is saying, that's our hearts. Our default mode is to veer off course toward toward evil. We can restrain it, we can fight against it, but our default, when you take your hand off the wheel, is, is, is to veer towards sin, toward violence, toward evil, which is why there's so many wars in our world. The problem is us. I recognise that's a dark thought, isn't it? That's the teaching of the Bible. Now, you might hear this and you might think that that is pretty dark and, and in fact, no way. I wouldn't do the kind of things that have happened in, in, in our world, the wars that have happened out there, the things I've heard about, that's not in my heart. I wouldn't do those things. I'd, I'd do better. A few thoughts on that, just very quickly. First of all, right now at this moment, living in Australia where we live, violence doesn't often serve my selfishness. Our society has been built largely on Christian convictions, our laws, our our societal values, our justice system, all of that is Christian and the end result is that in everyday life here where I live right now, violence doesn't help me get ahead. It's not a path for me to gain anything, violence will probably put me in jail if that's what I did but if you plonk me in the middle of when the Crusades happened or a civil war in the middle of Africa or something and suddenly violence is an opportunity for me to get ahead... I'm not so sure how I would do, where my heart would take me. Secondly, right here in the, the moment where you live right now, I've, had, I've not had my life torn apart by the violence of others that's come at me. But you chuck me in the middle of the Middle East and rip my family away from me because of a terror attack or a bomb strike in retaliation to that, and 
I'm not so sure then what would, what would emerge in my heart. It's actually really easy, isn't it, to sit in judgment of those who do violent things and terrible unjust things in war, but you put us in the same situation as them and I don't think we'd do any better, but for the grace of God at work in our lives, we'd be no better. And so the Bible's answer, what causes war? Us, people, our hearts, it's the human condition. Now, for me, this is one of the reasons why I find Christianity so incredibly persuasive, because Jesus actually makes sense of reality, the answers He holds out for what's going on in our world and why it is the way it is, it has the ring of truth, it makes sense. Now, lots of people in the world would say, if you could just do this or that and fix things up, then the world will get really good. You know, slay the dragon of religion, educate people better, scientific cooperation, get the perfect political system, get democracy just right. The world hopes that if we could just get it together, then we'll, we'll grow out of this childish violence and wars and, and we'll overcome it. Well, Jesus says these things are always going to be a part of the reality of our world because the problem isn't out there and little things that we might be able to fix and tweak and educate out of us, it's in here. You can't fix it. Time and time again, Jesus' diagnosis of our world has been shown to be true, hasn't it? It's not getting any better. (laughs) Even though we've been made to improve life in so many ways by so many measures... We can't cure the violence that lurks in the dark corners of the human heart. Jesus is right. He's telling the truth. But wonderfully, not only is Jesus right about the diagnosis, as important as that is, friends, Jesus offers the solution as well. This is a two-part solution. This is the things we're going to finish on. But first of all, Jesus came teaching a better way. Jesus came teaching peace. He taught peace. Jesus is famous for his amazing moral teaching. It's what he's known for and perhaps one of his most famous pieces of moral teaching, you'll see it up on the screen here, is the Sermon on the Mount where he tells us how we to treat one another. Matthew chapter 5, he says, you've heard it said, this is that what they believed back then, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, that is someone hurts you, you hurt them back. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Love your enemies. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy, like be good to your friends but not your enemies, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Absolutely world-altering, radical moral teaching. Now, Jesus didn't just teach people to, to love the nice people, be good to your mother. He said, love your enemy. Don't retaliate. Don't seek vengeance. Pray for, seek the good of those who want bad for you. It's completely countercultural, radical way of living. He taught peace. 
He came teaching peace. He was known as the Prince of Peace. And here's the incredible thing, Jesus taught peace and he actually lived it out himself perfectly. When armed soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the garden, his followers responded with violence, the same violence that's common in our hearts, the way we might respond if someone we loved was threatened. Luke chapter 22, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, this army coming to arrest Jesus, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. And then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you've come with swords and clubs? He's not. (laughs) He didn't carry a sword. So not only does Jesus rail against the violence, he actually brings healing to the very ones who came in violence against him. Remarkable. This is a man who lived the things that he taught. He was a person of peace to his very last words. As Jesus hung on the cross, nails now driven through his hands, beaten, whipped, abused, humiliated, Jesus uttered these incredible words on behalf of those who were doing these things to him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He pleaded to God for them on their behalf. To the very last, Jesus lived the things he taught about peace. And his, his teaching on peace has deeply impacted our world for so much good. There's a million things I could point to for this. Education, hospitals, social welfare, women's rights, the ends of the transatlantic slavery. He hasn't ended slavery because that's still happening. But, but one more really important example, human rights. And as that plays out in the United Nations that's a Christian thing has influenced that. A really important document in our world today is the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. This is a major document that brought a lot of alignment to our world about how all humans should be treated because of their innate value as a person created by God. It's a major step in the direction of peace in our world. This document was written with the Bible in mind. Christian man Charles Malick was one of the most important architects of that declaration. He's a really keen Christian from Lebanon. Interestingly, a whole bunch of uh, Muslim-majority countries in our world today still haven't been able to sign that declaration because their critique is, it's too Christian. (laughs) That's not us. We're different to that. Jesus and Christianity has deeply impacted the DNA of our world. Much of our world's efforts towards peace, as frail and frustrated as they've been, are standing on the words of Jesus. So good, Jesus taught peace and his teaching has had a good impact on our world, good, but so did, so did Gandhi Uh, and a bunch of other religious figures who came and taught peace, what makes Jesus any different to any other peace-loving religious leader in our world? Well, here's the final amazing thing I want us to draw attention to tonight. Not only did Jesus teach peace, Jesus came and He brought peace. How did He do that? Well, amazingly, at the very At the centre of Christianity stands a moment of intense violence, the cross of Jesus Christ. And make no mistake, this was a vicious 
grueling act of, of violence which was done at the hands of sinful people. Another terrible stain of bloodshed in our violent history as the human race. But, but this moment of horrific violence is the very moment that peace broke into our world. Not the sort of peace that can be simply won by a treaty or a ceasefire, but it actually brought peace particularly between us and God. You see, God actually cares about this world that we've been talking about tonight. He cares about unjust wars and violence. He cares about the evil that's out there going on. He cares about the evil in our own hearts as well. And the Bible says He plans to do something about it. He'll hold the world out there accountable for the evil things that have happened. Good. (laughs) But also, He'll hold us accountable for the evil things that we've done as well. He's angry for the things that we've done in His world. But at the cross, at that moment of violence... Well, he did something about it. And we'll hear more about what the cross achieved in the coming weeks, but you can see the end result here up on the screen. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith as, as the cross has happened, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus, he came into our world. He was innocent of all violence and wrongdoing. He was the Prince of Peace. He came in love He lived a perfect life, but at the cross, He took our sin and the punishment for it on Himself. He he took our violence on Himself and He carried it for us. And so, His death brings peace between us and God, if our trust is in Him, if we trust in Him for that forgiveness. He doesn't give us what our sins deserve. Instead, He gives us mercy. Let me tell you um, about a woman called Eleanor Young and the Kamal people. Uh, she, she was a Bible translator who spent a whole bunch of years in a very small little place called Iran, Java, Indonesia. That's picture like picture somewhere similar to Papua New Guinea, a place where before the good news of Jesus came, it was cannibalism and that kind of stuff. That was the place. So it was this primitive tribe called the Kamal people, and she's there translating the Bible for these people who have now many of them become Christians. Uh, and this is a quote from her talking about how to, how to do that. She says, Theological terms were often really hard to translate. For example, Kamal culture had no concept of forgiveness. Up until Jesus, this is just not a concept that even had a word for. Revenge was their top cultural virtue. So finally, I heard a story about an attempted raid one morning. Uh, and it gave me the perfect phrase. Local pastors and elders had heard that warriors who hated these now Christian villages were coming over the trail to attack the Christians. And so the church leaders themselves and some other elders armed themselves with bows and arrows and they hid in the bushes at a certain spot in the trail. And at the right time, they jumped out of the bushes with their bows drawn surrounding the would-be attackers. And when those men were thoroughly terrified, as you should be, the church leaders then, then said these words. They said, Our arrows are pointed at you, and you are dead men. We have every right to kill you in self-defense. But God has shown us a better way to live. So we relax our bows in the name of Jesus. And so her Bible translation went on to say, God relaxes the bow drawn against us. That's how she translated the word forgiveness. 
the heart of the Christian message is peace. Just one little small example, you can see the peace that it brought that particular tribe, the Kamal people. Although God has every right to bring judgment against us because of our sin, because of Jesus, God relaxes His bow against us. He says, lay down your weapons, I'll show you mercy. He deals with the penalty of our sin, the judgment we deserve. But not only that, Jesus, He he breaks the, the penalty of sin, but He also breaks the power of sin in our world as well. He comes and He teaches us a better way. As we've just heard, He teaches us the way of peace, but He doesn't just give us words to obey, He actually comes and the promise of the Bible is that He gives us His Holy Spirit to live in our lives. He offers us a new heart so that we would actually live differently. We won't be perfect this side of heaven, but Jesus insists we will be changed if if His Spirit is in us. He's given us a new power to live God's way, to keep His teachings, to, to say no to unjust violence and evil. That's what's on offer with Jesus. It's a beautiful thing, a new way, a way of peace. And so, as a quick aside, it's worth coming back to the Crusades and what we mentioned earlier. When Christians are involved in in terrible evil, like some of the atrocities mentioned with the Crusades or wherever else in the world, we need to be clear, that is not Jesus' way, is not Jesus' teaching. Not everyone who does something in the name of Jesus knows who Jesus is. And if they do know who Jesus is, they've obviously not being clear on what it is he would have them do. Now, war is complex, there's no straightforward answer to all these things, but it's worthwhile being clear that not everything done in the name of Jesus is actually what Jesus would have those people do. And finally, wonderfully, friends, the Bible promises as well that one day, Jesus will bring ultimate peace. He'll solve this problem once and for all. It'll be the end of all war and the end of all violence in heaven. We read this at the start, Isaiah chapter 2. This is a promise in the Old Testament looking forward to what Jesus will ultimately bring when He's the undisputed King, Isaiah 2 verse 4. They'll, be, they'll beat their swords into plowshares. So, they'll take the metal from a sword and turn it into a gardening tool and their spears into pruning hooks. You don't need those things anymore. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. This beautiful picture of weapons of war beat into tools for harvest and peace. The promise of Jesus is that He has won us peace with God and the overflow of that is that there will be peace in our world one day, ultimately in heaven, that will never end and never spoil. War and violence will be a thing of the past, is the promise of the Bible. That's the wonderful hope that Jesus holds out. Let's pray now to God and thank Him for Jesus and His incredible work. I'll invite the band to come up as well and we're going to sing in a moment. But um, I'm going to pray now and thank God for what Jesus has done. Oh, Father God, we thank You so much for Jesus. We thank You for the peace that He taught We pray that we would be those who live as Jesus has commanded us to. Uh, But Lord, thank you so much that he has brought peace. Thank you that uh, he paid for it by his death on the cross. And that's a free gift of grace that we can have peace with you. And as an overflow of that peace with the world around us as well. Please, Lord, more and more would that be the case, we pray.
Amen.